Three, two, one. Welcome to the Day of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode one forty-five. Yeah, it is. Here we are. Wait, one, two, <laughs> three days till no. Is it three days? Two days till Christmas. Oh wait, I got to turn the music off upstairs. <laughs> I just heard <laughs> wait, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, two days. Four days. Is it? Yeah. No, it's not. What? Today's Friday, right? So he's not counting today. Oh, he's shit. Tomorrow. You're right. Did I take the wrong day off? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. He's working Christmas. No, because I always take... I, I took off this weekend, and then mo- I thought just Monday, thinking Sunday was Christmas, but I just looked at my calendar, and I have Tuesday off also, so... Oh. <laughs> the Christmas hangover? Well, it's just, you know, you got to, I want to soak in every ounce of the holiday cheer, mm. you know, we got the fam, they all get here tonight. Some of them got here the other day. They all get in tonight. Uh-huh. And we're going to, we're going to just, we're just going to have a, a holly jolly time. <laughs> a holly so. jolly Christmas. Um, so here we are. So if, uh, you know, this podcast, uh, I don't know, I don't know. We're going to, we got some things to talk about, but it's Christmas time. So, you know, yes. it's going to be loose talks, loose, loose Christmas loose talks. talk. Also, we have a page here. Shout Paige. out, Paige. You can't see her in the oh, angle oh. of the camera because... Oh, you see the hand? Yeah, there's the a hand. The hand come in? Yeah. Uh, Paige is going to take some uh, some some Christmas podcast photos for us. Thanks, Paige. And uh, I think the last ones we took a Halloween time. Isn't that correct? Maybe. It was Maybe like a year and a half ago around Halloween time. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, so, whatever. So here we are. <laughs> Josh, what's new? <clears throat> Not much. Just... Uh, Ready to go to Indiana and see the family. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas time, baby. Christmas time. That, that didn't sound very excited. Excited. I, I am excited. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I really am. I like it. Well, we got all sorts of, uh, we got all sorts of, uh, of, of things to talk about here. So basically what I pulled up for today, I pulled up a couple of blog posts that I think uh, will make uh, interesting reads, incite some conversation maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of see, see where we get with it. Okay. Mm. So I've, I've, we've been on this kick with clients over the last, like, uh, I don't know, a couple of months or so where we're having some clients that are coming in that are progressing and excelling through their training process. Mm. Right. And then, you know, because the training is in such a great place, we're hitting a point where we could then take our extra time we have in our program and focus on more like fulfillment or enrichment related things with the dog, right? I think in many training programs, we get too hung up on the training, right? The training is very important, but long-term, the training serves the purpose of being able to go do other things with your dog and provide an enriching and a fulfilling life to them. And um, I would say over the last couple of months, we've been really trying to speak more about that into the ethos, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a part of that is coming from just this wave of stuff I'm seeing online. And I tried to find the video so bad, but I couldn't find it. Uh, this wave of stuff I've been seeing of trainers talking about like long-term things that they do with their dogs and and things that I just I just completely disagree with, right? So one, for mm-hmm. example, and this is the video I wanted to try to pull up, was I saw a video on Instagram a couple of days ago by a trainer. I don't remember who it was. I don't know how large of a following this person has. I don't know anything about this individual. Mm-hmm. But basically what they said is your dog should never free roam in the house what right so so and then in the the caption basically it got into 
her, even this trainer mm-hmm. with her personal dogs never, ever, ever allows her dog to <laughs> free roam in the house. Free roaming meaning do anything other than be engaged in a command at all times. What? Right? So so in it further, she said, you know, she enforces, I, I again, I could be mistaken by the exact number on this, but I think it was in the neighborhood of 18 to 19 hours of crate time per day with her dog. And that is forever, she said in it, right? Forever and ever till the end of time. And this is what she was encouraging her clients to do. And oh. that if they're out of the crate in the home, they're actively engaged in a bed stay working on calm duration work. Right. And hmm. just first off, just think about that for a minute. Right. <laughs> We're talking almost every waking minute of this dog's life. They are not allowed to move around. Right. And and let me let me give you the, the perspective of things coming from what I assume to be this individual's perspective on stuff is that when their dog is not engaged in those types of commands, their dog is actively making a lot of mistakes. They're getting into things they're not supposed to. They're pacing around, you know, endlessly. They're 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 being disruptive. They're getting into stuff. They're barking out the window, right? They're having accents in the house, what, whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. And they're utilizing obedience commands or management in the form of confinement in order to stop the dog from rehearsing those things. Now, with young dogs, with puppies, Obviously, that's a very smart thing to do initially Mm -hmm. to prevent the dog from rehearsing the ability to do those things and to block some of those types of patterns. But, and this is where we did a whole video on like a a, a post we made one time that kind of caught a little bit of heat of Michelle saying like a similar thing about puppies, Mm -hmm. right? But we were exclusively talking about like eight-week-old to 16-week-old puppies and doing that in a very short period of time while incrementally putting them in scenarios to then address those bad habits so we can give the dog more freedom and more uh, free roaming time later on, Yeah, right? It's not a forever thing. And many trainers that I see find themselves in this trap of relying on those things forever because they don't know how to actually stop the problem behaviors. And on top of that, they don't understand how doing that forever and ever can cause long-term problems from the standpoint of keeping your dogs constantly cooped up and constantly restrained so anytime you release them all of the anticipation of oh my god i never get to be free in the house so i'm just gonna go balls to the walls (laughs) checking everything out being all fucking energetic and crazy and stuff like that yeah right that it is going to be really unmanageable initially but the more freedom you give them and the more free roaming time that you give them and the more you communicate specifically not do this do this do this do this so you don't do other behaviors but don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and then the dog learns to make better decisions on their own, the more well-balanced your dog ultimately becomes. Mm-hmm. I said this, I think, two podcasts ago. All of my dogs are free-roaming upstairs right now. Yeah. Right? We're doing this podcast. We're down here. Nobody else is home, and they are all free-roaming upstairs, and there are fucking four of them, and they're fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, listen, do we hear any tip-tapping around, pacing, barking out the window, getting into shit? I don't, I don't hear it right now. Right now, why is that the case? Is it because they're all in downstays and they're all in bedstays? Absolutely not. It's because it's not a novel thing to them. They're free to make their own choices virtually all the time. And Mm -hmm. all my job 
in that equation is, is to teach them which of those decisions are appropriate and which of them aren't appropriate. Mm -hmm. And then over time, my dogs are getting a little bit older now. They're all in the, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten range. Um, Over time, I give them more freedom and I can trust them more when I'm not supervising because they've shown me that they can make proper choices when they're free, Mm -hmm. right? And... I don't think people realize like the harmony you can achieve with your dog if you start looking at things from that perspective and less from the perspective of just manage and contain all the time. Right. Yeah. You got anything to say on that? I need a break. I need a, I need yeah. a break. <laughs> well, first of all, so this lady saying that you should do that for the entirety of the dog's life that you have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's fucking crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point of even having an animal if you're just creating it, you yeah. know, 17 I, hours a day? I completely agree with you. Now, I will give her also the benefit of the doubt of she did talk about in it going out and doing things with your dog to provide, mm-hmm. like, stimulus and engagement and stuff like that. But, like, okay. I'm sorry, like, two hours of training per day yeah. and then the remainder of their day being doing absolutely nothing in the house and having absolutely no freedoms yeah, it's still- is terrible. I mean, that just sounds horrible, right? Yeah. Like if you did, like if you just put that in a human aspect, if you put somebody in a padded cell for like two days, they go crazy. Sure, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and you're in. There's no stimulus. Yeah, and and I try not to equate it to humans too much I with know, this particular stuff, only because of the fact that like dogs do sleep like twice as long as humans. For do, sure, like per for day, sure, right? They don't yeah. need quite as much engagement yeah. and stimulus as humans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it is a it's a little bit different. Yeah, but at the same time, there's still animals that want to like do something do something yeah. right and she was trying to justify like oh if you're having your dog in a bed stay for two hours or three hours or whatever it may be like you're providing so much mental stimulation and it's it's helping them and and this and that and though i agree that mental stimulation yeah. in the form of working is important mm-hmm. like mental stimulation without physical stimulation is 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 equally bad you know physical yeah. stimulation without mental stimulation is bad but mental stimulation without physical stimulation is just as bad you have to balance it out yeah for sure you know what i mean and, um, you know, as I was, you know, thinking about this, like I, I ironically had a lesson a couple of days ago that highlighted exactly this, right? Okay. So we have a client that lives over on the east side of Cleveland and they have a, a young German shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a rambunctious boy, right? He's like a year and a half at this point. It's very puppy still, you know, good, good dog, right? Great training. She's really on top of him. Like she's not having like quote unquote issues with him. Right. But we did a brush up lesson with this dog and mm-hmm. I went to go see him and he did fantastic when we went in the house. He held his bed stay when we came in. Right. Like, you know, he he did great on his walk. But he was like, you know, the whole time, though, she was like, you know, I was like, well, where's your issue? She's like, well, I feel bad because like he's not really doing anything wrong. But like yeah. he kind of just like has so much energy all the time. And he is kind of pacing around the house constantly and mm-hmm. like out on the walks, like he doesn't really break his command that often, but like he's really just like <laughs> kind of tightly wound while on the walk and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So we start kind of putting him through the paces and, and I'm asking questions and turns out she was kind of doing exactly what this woman had said, which is like he's crated mm-hmm. a lot in the house. When he's out of the house, they're using bed stays a lot to stop him from like tripping them when they go up and down the stairs or, or like things like that, right? But like again, he's not doing anything wrong, but like his energy level is just like a little bit too high, yeah. right? 
Um, so she's using a ton of bed stays and he's, he's holding these bed stays for virtually all the time in the house, like all day long, right? Yeah. Out on the walk, she's taking him for walks every single day and, and sometimes multiple walks per day. And she's providing everything that like most trainers out there say you should be providing for these dogs. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't providing any true physical stimulation to help him alleviate some of this young German shepherd energy, yeah. right? So it's funny. So like we did this session, we're like 45 minutes into it and he's acing all the tests, but I could just see how tightly wound mm. he is. You know what I mean? And I'm like looking at her and it was ironically the day of that freaking blizzard we had like- Oh, of course. It was Monday. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Monday. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm like, you guys got like a field around here or something like that? <laughs> She's like, yeah, you know, there's one right around the corner. I was like, all right, let's go all walk right. to it, you know? So we walk around the corner to this field and it's all fucking muddy and gross and shit. And I'm like, you cool with him like going and like playing around in this? She's like, yeah, whatever. I got to give him a bath later anyways, right? Okay. So we unclip his leash and she just tells him, okay. And I'm telling you, the second that she said, okay, this dog was tearing <laughs> ass in fucking <laughs> you know when dogs do that like butt yeah. like tucked yep. in tail like tucked under like <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking like bananas crazy oh, yeah. run for sure and this dog did that and he's just fucking going in circles around us <laughs> and i'm telling you for like 10 to 15 minutes this dog just tore ass in circles not even chasing anything yeah. or trying to run towards something or running away from anything just tearing ass in circles for like yeah. 15 minutes and i just looked at her i was like this is what this fucking dog needs yeah you know what i mean yeah. you've you've done all of the hard work up until this point with the trick with the cat turk i hear you on the camera you hear that? yeah <laughs> this guy. Here, hold on hold on we have a hold cat on. intervention right now Oh. <laughs> oh, special guest real quick. Special guest. Oh, your paws are really wet. Okay, you can stay right. Nope, nope, don't go away. Stay right here. <laughs> Christmas cat. Can you see him in the video? I think you probably can. I'm sure you can. <clears throat> oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, this is Turk. Everybody say hi to Turk. He's going to run away in a second. Are you going to stay? Are you going to run away? You stay right there. Okay, so... <laughs> um, make sure you don't get the side roll. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so, so I was like, this is what this dog needs. I was like, you have put in all of the hard work and all of the training, and, and you just busted your ass with this dog to make sure you can keep him under control when you need to keep him under control. Mm. You've checked that box. As soon as you check that box with your dog, your next step is then taking that training, pushing it to the side temporarily, and allowing the dog to be a dog with the confidence that if you need to get him back under control, you've put in the hard work to ensure that you can do so, mm. right? Yeah. And when you hit that point with your dog, oh my God, I don't think you can imagine how great of a relationship you could start to have with them. Because here's the thing, right? He walks fine with her, right? So I told her, I was like, if you've got 30 minutes to like go out and go for a walk with this dog, at this point, this dog will benefit more from 30 minutes of what we're doing right now with like 
five minutes of walking to and from mm-hmm. versus a 30 minute just heal where he's not burning off any of that physical stimulation yeah. at that point. Right. Yeah, and it was sure. so interesting too. Cause like we did the walk. Right. And ironically, right before the walk, like we off leash healed this dog through the whole neighborhood. Like, it's not like we were just like leash walking him. Like this dog is fucking trained. Yeah. Right. And then we let him just tear ass for like 15 minutes. And then we off leash healed him back to her house. And he literally like the walk, you could see it in his body right mm. just how much right like yeah he just got it out of his system yeah you know what i mean and, oh, it, and yeah. it really is like it's one of the most beautiful things to see when you see a dog both mentally stimulated and challenged but also physically stimulated and challenged mm. and then you could see how you've achieved both boxes and they just they just they just look so happy after that yeah you know what i mean oh yeah for sure and um I don't think enough trainers are talking about providing that side of things to the dog as well. And mm-hmm. I don't think we've done a good enough job of talking about that side of things as well up until this point, which is why I'm really trying to drill this point home. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's it's easy to get stuck in uh, just training mode forever, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like when you do symptoms and stuff, it's like, this is how you have to do it, blah, 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 blah. And then you get into that mode and then you kind of forget... <laughs> You kind of forget that, hey, I got to let the dog be a, just tear loose and be a dog for a little bit. You 100%. Know? And it, I mean, it's good to have structure, but also it's like they're, they're still a living being that wants to go run around a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. They're social animals, right? They mm-hmm. want to play and run and socialize and like do all of those types of things. And like, yeah, <laughs> he said, I'm a social animal too. And I want to be on the pod. All right, you got to go. You're too loud. <laughs> you got to go. Guest appearance is over. <laughs> There's your one and only time, Turk. <laughs> it's the only time you guys will ever see him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Um, what was I saying? Social animals. Yeah, social animals. But like, you know, even these these two dogs from Turks and Keiko we have in right now, right? Like, I've said this 8,000 times. Like training and obedience commands is not going to help those dogs giving those dogs outlets and helping them socialize with the world better is what's going to and that's why we've Mm. continued to see such massive progress with those dogs which quick sidebar on that in case anybody saw we've officially had listen we're becoming youtube celebrities this is what happens when you become youtube celebrities right Uh, we've had uh we've had a a new new hate video made about us about those two dogs that we were going to react to today but in one in celebration of the Christmas spirit, I don't want to put a downer on things, so we're not doing that yeah. today. We'll wait till next podcast right. when we have all of our, our stuff set up for it. And yeah. two, we don't have the TV down here, so we can't watch it. Yeah, it. it's true. But just know it will happen. If anybody's seen it, just know that that individual was invited to be on the podcast and uh, declined. Mm. So just talk to us. Whatever. Yeah. Talk to us about it. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, training and obedience commands and all those types of things, it's just not its not going to help those dogs. Yeah. Right? Allowing those dogs to be dogs and socialize and interact and learn how to make better choices. And then on top of that, the training provides a little bit of impulse control and, and, and helping them overcome some of those types of issues. That's what ultimately gets past them. Yeah. But that's kind of the overarching theme that I want to stick with going into the new year here is how to take your training and then use that training to provide more fulfillment to your dog. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
you know, it's when like uh, when when people say to you like, "Oh, am I going to have to do this for the rest of my life with the dog?" I don't know why they sound short. Like, an- yeah, yeah, were they Australian? Yeah, that or or Doctor Phil. I'm not sure what I was going for <laughs> there, but uh, yeah, um, but I think this kind of answers that question a little bit better too. It's no. Like, yeah. You don't. <laughs> That's the cool thing, right? You don't yeah. have to do two hours of training with your dog every single day. Yeah. Once it's I implemented. I don't even do one hour of actual training with my dogs per week, probably. No, probably not. I really don't. Yeah. Right? They know what to do. They know what not to do. Yep. So that's going to segue us into some of these blogs I pulled up. The very okay. first one is ironically called Training versus Fulfillment. And I have not read this. I have not seen this before. I just pulled this up. And ironically, it's another one by my buddy, Tyler Mudo. Uh, I saw it on the Canine Connection website. So we're going to read this, and we're going to see if this segues into what we were just talking about or not. Perfect. You ready? Yep. Training versus fulfillment. A new client brings her dog into my center and begins describing her dog's problem behavior. He is constantly getting into things, she says. He sits at the window, waiting for any movement outside, and then he'll bark like crazy. When he goes into that mode, he doesn't even hear me calling his name. I nod in acknowledgement of her frustration. If he wants my attention, he'll just start barking at me, and when I tell him no, he just barks more. I see, I reply. How much exercise does he get regularly? Well, he spends time out in our yard every day. What about walks, I ask? Do you ever engage with him in exercise so you could challenge him mentally and physically? Well, we probably don't walk as much as we should, which means no. Believe it or not, this is a very common scenario at our center. The dog in question was a young, healthy hound mix with a mid-level of energy. The woman was looking for a training method to eliminate these behaviors. Just do this, and he'll never act that way again. I had to inform her that what she was dealing with was not a training issue. It was a fulfillment issue. Ask any high-energy-level human how they would feel if they were forced to sit still for a couple of days with no physical activity and without being able to leave the house. Most would tell you that they would become very agitated. In fact, they would probably become physically uncomfortable as their energy became more and more pent up and their body began looking for ways to release it. It is not a good feeling and would not be a happy individual. Mm. That's not it. (laughs) Now imagine how your high energy dog feels when he's been stuck in the house all week. Mm. I'll bet he's literally crawling in his own skin. And it's no wonder he's getting into trouble as he desperately looks for ways to release his energy. I have three dogs, but the one who is most often in public, I, is Lobo, my two-and-a-half-year-old Belgian Malinois. He is not a German Shepherd, although he looks similar. Most Malinois have significantly higher energies of level, higher levels of energy than the average German Shepherd. Lobo is a very high-energy dog. People meet him and are always impressed. He has a great energy. He is stable and balanced. He holds down positions while I wrangle the aggressive dogs and doesn't bat an eye. However, I'm always amazed at one thing. Many people see his behavior and say, well, that's just because he is a shepherd. Hmm. No, anyone who knows me in Lobo also knows the amount of work that I do with him every day. Sometimes I'm tired, but I know that I am his steward and his best friend. 
He does so much for me, and the least I could do is keep him fulfilled. And then he goes into a daily routine. Let's talk about this daily routine here. Okay. It's Wednesday, April 18th, 7 a.m. While I make coffee and eat breakfast, Lobo is on the treadmill. He does a steady five miles per hour with no leash. He completes about two miles in just under half an hour. Then he gets a chance to go outside and slow his breathing before he eats his breakfast. Then we get ready to head down to the training center. 8.30, we stop at the park that's right around the corner from the training center. The treadmill is a great start, but Lobo doesn't get really run full bore on the treadmill. Lobo needs a chance to at least once a day really let loose. The chuck it ball tosser provides a perfect solution. Lobo has a very intense ball drive. This is also why off-leash training is so valuable. Here we are, just outside of downtown Buffalo and right next to I-90. But I can trust my dogs 100% off-leash. After about 20 minutes of intense running mingled with obedience exercises, we pack up and head to the center to check in on my staff and get organized for the day. 10 a.m. Lobo and I meet one of my clients at the waterfront to help her learn how to walk her troublesome old English bulldog past other dogs. Here, Lobo did a lot of walking and a lot of holding down position while I gave instruction. 11 a.m. Lobo and I are back at the center working with the pack. Lobo is great at helping dogs become social. He'll spend a good hour out here in the yard interacting with dogs, and that's just what happens before noon. As the day wears on, Lobo helps me with various other appointments and does a lot of pack work. Later in the evening, we do some play and training with just the two of us. 9 p.m., Lobo is able to settle down and chew a bone at home. He's not exhausted, but he's content. Believe it or not, without that much exercise, he would still be very antsy, pacing around the house, and overall being kind of annoying. It's not his fault. Without exercise, it is obvious that he is physically and mentally uncomfortable. <clears throat> In short, Lobo is not balanced and well-behaved because he is a shepherd. He is balanced and well-behaved because he is fulfilled. His life is enriched through exercise, discipline, structure, and fun. He has a job, and his life has purpose. This is what it takes to own a high-energy dog. For some, it is a dream come true. For others, a nightmare. Before you bring a dog home, consider that dog's needs. Pay close attention to their energy level. What will it take to keep that dog balanced? Many of the behavior problems that I see are simply a result of the dog being higher energy than the owner. If your dog is displaying problem behaviors around the house, ask yourself, have I fulfilled my dog's needs today? Mm. Dang. <clears throat> That's a heck of a uh, routine, too, by the way. <laughs> That's a lot. You know, um, <clears throat> the, the biggest point, though, true, is uh, knowing your kind of your breed's needs. Yeah. You know, like he said, like he has a high energy dog that needs a lot of stimulus. And he's getting a lot of stimulus with that. Um, how do you, how do you think that correlates for people that obviously don't have that kind of uh, schedule? It's a great question. Yeah. So, like I said, I've never read that blog post until right now. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and I appreciate that he's driving home the point of yo, if you do more shit with your dog, mm -hmm. your dog will be calmer and more well behaved. Yeah. Right. I completely agree with a lot of people that a lot of people don't provide enough of an outlet for their dog 100%. for a lot of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. One, it could be a quote-unquote time issue or a priority issue. Two, the dog's behavior doesn't allow them to go out and provide all of that extra stimulus. Yeah. Three, they either don't have access to or don't trust the dog off-leash enough 
in order to give them the ability to just run. Because honestly, the one of the biggest things I would say that I see with dogs that they are lacking is the true ability to, like I was talking about in, in this German Shepherd's case, to truly just tear ass. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like go balls to the walls running at your absolute full speed, full cadence. Yeah. I think so many dogs do not have the ability to do that because you mm -hmm. need a lot of space. For if sure. you've got a big dog, even if you have an acre, like we have an acre, right, in our mm -hmm. yard, and I don't think that Vinny, if he really needed to, could truly like tear ass in the way that like I know he can. Mm -hmm. He could run pretty good, you know, and he can get a decent amount of exercise back there. But it's not the same as like when we go to the golf course behind our house and I either throw a chuck it ball like Tyler was saying or I just release the dogs and just let them fucking go. Right. It's it's very different. Yeah. You know. Um. And I think that's very hard for a lot of owners to replicate, you know? For sure. So so that's a big one. I think a lot of dogs, if they had the ability to just really fucking run, you know, I, I think a lot of their issues probably would start to dissipate, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, so you know, like I said, I, I, I appreciate what he's saying, which is try to do more with your dog. I think the missing link, though, is training will solve a lot of those problems. You know, I, th mm -hmm. the only thing I didn't like with it is how he talked about, you know, training isn't going to solve your problems. Mm -hmm. Yes, demand barking, getting into things, a lot of those types of behaviors, training will solve those problems, right? Yeah. But they won't solve the problems from the standpoint of fulfilling the dog's needs, which is why it's Correct. a multi-tiered approach, like I'm saying, right? Yeah. We do the intensive training. We hold the dog to the higher standard so that we can ensure we keep them at a manageable level of like annoying regardless yeah. of how much <laughs> exercise we're providing for them. Yeah. And then we take the extra edge off then at that point with the exercise we're providing for them. Because the other thing mm -hmm. is, yeah, like that routine, like you were saying, like that's a hell of a routine. <laughs> yeah. And and. Knowing Tyler, like, yeah, like, I'm sure when he was, like, in full bore, like, like, hardcore going to the facility every day, stuff like, you know, doing a lot of lessons himself, stuff like that, I'm sure he was providing that for him, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, no different than, like, when I first started getting into this, like, Vera was, like, my helper dog, and she oh, yeah. was the one that, like, she got that much exercise every yeah. day, yeah. right? Or Vinny sure. when I first got him or, mm -hmm. or things like that. Um, but that is a completely, in my opinion, unsustainable Oh, yeah. Routine for your average owner. Oh, for right? sure. Um, and, and, and I think that if we find ourselves in this trap of we have to fulfill our dog's needs in order to make sure that they don't tear up things in the house and yeah. like do all these unwanted behaviors, that's a dangerous boat to get into because, mm -hmm. yes, we want to fulfill their needs as best as we can, obviously. But like sometimes like life does get in the way. You know yeah. what I mean? And and we have to be empathetic to your average owner with that of like, yo, like sometimes you're going to have a fucking busy week. Like, like right now, right? Christmas mm -hmm. to New Year's. Like some people, like their schedule is fucking crazy for the holidays. Yeah. And yes, the dog is going to get a little bit more fulfillment from the standpoint of being involved in more activities and, and stuff like that. Uh, and we can't just totally push them to the side. But like we also might not be able to provide all of the exercise in the evenings like we normally would because we're hosting or having family stay in town or any of those types mm -hmm. of things. And I think that's an important caveat to have where we're always trying to meet our clients like halfway in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what we need to provide to the dog, right? Or, yeah. or I should say, 
here's what we should be providing for our dog and here's your needs Mm -hmm. right let's meet in the middle with it or like maybe you know sometimes we don't provide as much as we should but we provide what we can but we also calibrate our expectations of the dog Mm -hmm. in that moment to kind of meet the needs that we have for them yeah right so so yeah i guess that's my my take on it yeah i mean at the end of the day anything's better than nothing you know yeah and I guess, you know, during these busy times, like, let's say someone just has like an hour, an extra hour in their day, hour and a half. What do you think would be the best way to structure that hour to like really work this stuff out with your dog? It's a good question. You know, someone that's like really busy, like, you know, you have a nine to five and then you have a bunch of stuff you have to do after work and... What would be like a good routine that you could do in like an hour? Depends where your training is at, right? True. Because initially, before your dog is fully trained and fully reliable, you can't do the ideal thing of letting them fully off leash to go like tear around and stuff like that. So yeah. you've got to meet those needs first mm-hmm. from the standpoint of making sure your dog is completely reliable. And then maybe figuring out an alternate. Like we have been pushing treadmill training a lot lately. We actually just made a YouTube video. Paige just made a YouTube video. Put the hand in. Good job. Yeah, put the hand in. (laughs) Uh, Paige just made a YouTube video on treadmill training. We've been pushing that a lot lately because I do think that's a really great way where when the weather sucks or if you have a really reactive dog, you can provide a little bit of exercise. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, like Tyler was saying, they can't really go like full bore on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. But that's where, you know, we've been using a little bit more our self-propelled dog treadmill, like the dog trotters and stuff like that. Like that is a a great tool for a dog to be able to like truly tear ass without actually tearing ass. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, maybe working your training exercises while trying to provide some sort of, you know, high energy stimulus, tug is good for stuff like that. Uh, chasing a ball is good for that. Mm. But even those types of things, right? I always caveat it with making sure you have adequate control over the dog when you're playing those things. Yeah. You don't want it to become a mindless game where like the chuck it ball, you're just throwing, 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 throwing. But then like you go to stop the game and the dog is just like jumping for the ball and can't control themselves around mm. it and can't wait or anything like that. Like yeah. we have, when we play chuck it with dogs, when I play chuck it with my dogs, I have kind of my three prerequisites, which is the dog needs to immediately release the ball for me. Mm. The dog needs to be able to perform commands to access you know figure do something in order to access the reward Mm -hmm. and then on top of that they need to be able to wait while that that chuck it ball is flying in the air right so i'll do exercises where once every like 10 reps or so i'll put vinny in a down and i'll whip that chuck it ball and he's got to hold that down until i tell him he can go for Mm. it right and i think that helps break them out of that cycle of getting too mindless over the game right true so like you have so many prerequisites to being able to really provide a lot mm-hmm. of these things. So you got to get that training established right away with them, mm-hmm. right? Um, past that, socialization with other dogs is a beautiful way, I think, to do it. You know, if you don't have the ability to let your dog off leash, but your dog is relatively social and you've got, excuse me, a friend that has a dog that's relatively social, being able to let them interact with each other goes a huge way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you have your training established, like my ideal thing that I like to do with my dogs to kind of fulfill them is one off leash hikes are huge. We'll go for a really long off leash mm-hmm. hike where the dog is not walking with me. They're off doing anything they want to do yeah. with a couple periodic recalls thrown mm-hmm. in there. Or two, we'll do something where we'll heel to a park that's maybe like five minutes away and then we'll play chuck it or just let them off leash to go run around for like 20 minutes and then we'll heal them back home. So you're checking the mm-hmm. box of both the physical and the mental stimulation mm-hmm. um, to kind of get them into a, a more balanced state, you know? Yeah. Cool. And like I said, like 
life gets in the way sometimes. Like, we'll notice every now and then, like, you know, like, we'll, we'll, if we have, like, a long week and we haven't got to do a ton with the dogs, like, sometimes we'll get home and we'll just, like, look at... And Vinny, he's a Malinois also, so he's a good representation of one that desperately needs it where like the others they need it but like they're also pretty lazy at this point you know <laughs> yeah but he's definitely the dog where you know we'll notice every week or so like we'll get home and it's like you know friday starts rolling around and we just look at him and we're like bro you need to burn <laughs> off some steam right yeah. now <laughs> you know like you're 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 worked up right yeah. now let's go do something right and then we'll go do something and we'll burn off some steam yeah. and he's good for a little bit you know yeah. good it's not waffles no. <laughs> no, he gets his little bursts of energy and then he's yeah. cool as a cucumber. His like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, that was enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go take a nap. So, yeah. So, so the fulfillment thing, it's, it's, it really is, it really is massive. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Questions on that one? No, that was uh, my only question, really. All right. So, we got one more. Cool. What is this one? Let's see. This is another interesting one. So this is this is off of Tyler's blog as well, and this is a pretty short one. And again, I have not read this one, so we'll see uh, we'll see what what um, what he has to say about it. But uh, it caught my eye because I saw it was just called respect, right? Mm. And getting into like that girl that made the video about the the two dogs and stuff like that, like I think there's a big like philosophical difference in, in like how how people view dogs and like specifically terms like respect, mm. right? Okay, and. I'm curious what his take is on the word and what he's got to say with it. And then I'll kind of give you my take on it. Put some respect on your name. Put some respect on the name. All right, here we go. This seems to be a reoccurring theme around here lately. Owner after owner bringing dogs in with behavioral issues ranging from fear to anxiety to aggression. And the common thread that runs through almost all the cases is the apparent lack of respect between the dogs and their humans. Note that I didn't say the apparent disrespect. There is a difference. To me, disrespect would imply that the dog knows what it means to be respectful and is choosing to disregard that knowledge in favor of his or her own agenda. Hmm. Lack of respect means that the humans never taught the dog what it means to be respectful to begin with. Sometimes they didn't know how, sometimes because they didn't try. So what does it mean for a dog to be respectful. For the purpose of this discussion, we could say that respect is the adherence to well-established rules and boundaries and the appropriate response to pressure. Pressure here can mean physical pressure, leash, touch, electronic collar, social pressure, eye contact, forward body language, claiming space or yielding, or what I call achievement pressure, which is the pressure we all feel when there is something which we strongly want to achieve and we have to figure out how to do it. This last one takes the form of respect building when the item or event that the dog wants to achieve is controlled by the human, such as a treat or the activity of going outside or the ball, as Mm. I just described. Yeah. Think about it. Have you taught your dog what it means to be respectful? Have you established boundaries and rules? Will your dog respond appropriately to all three forms of motivating pressure? If your dog is displaying inappropriate behavior and you have not taken the time to teach your dog what it means to be respectful, it's never too late. She might surprise you with just how well she could follow rules once she knows what they are. Hmm. That makes it. 
I'm just trying to process all that. But uh, it it makes a great deal of sense that the whole thing you said in the beginning, where it's like we don't even teach the dog what what respect is for us, or or the boundaries or the rules that we have, because we just kind of miscommunicate it or don't even like portray it to them in a way that they can understand. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. So let's look at the definitions of respect, right? So one is a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Mm -hmm. Two is due regard for the feelings, wishes, rights, or traditions of others. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so she was respected by everyone she worked with. Or young people's lack of respect for their parents. So, with that in mind, it's... Let's equate this to dogs, right? So, Mm -hmm. Tyler's definition was... Hold on. Respect is the adherence to well-established rules and boundaries and the appropriate response to pressure. I think that's pretty close to what it actually means, obviously. I think that the the response to pressure thing is a little bit subjective because that doesn't really have to do with being looked up to or anything like that. That kind of fits hand-in-hand with Mm -hmm. the first segment of things. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think respect when it comes to dogs i think being somebody that your dog cares enough about or looks up to enough to want to follow the mm-hmm. rules the traditions the the yeah. boundaries right all of those types of things so i think we have mm-hmm. we have basically the, the same definition here yeah so why do we feel like why I, I think it's owners that tend to have the wrong assumption of what it means. I think owners mm. tend to think that dogs should simply just respect them, right? Mm. And that if they don't respect them, that training will solve that problem of respecting them. But this kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about, what was it, last week or the week before, where it was, who do you need to become for your dog, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's the same thing is like you achieve respect by being somebody that is wor- that is respectable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Respect doesn't come from the, the, the person below you that should be respecting you doing something different. It mm-hmm. comes from you doing something different to become somebody that the other individual wants to respect. Right. Yeah. So I think that's where, that's where what he's getting at with this is have you done your part in turning yourself into somebody that's respectable mm. right have yeah. you taught your dog what the boundaries are have you taught your dog what the rules are but furthermore you have to add that caveat onto it like i talked about which is are you somebody that is the type of person that would set rules and boundaries and enforce them and stick with them yeah you know what i mean yeah that makes 100 percent sense <clears throat> for me um and i like how he frames it too because it's not disrespect. Where disrespect would be mm-hmm. like almost of a, they should inherently know yeah, what it is. Yeah, you know? and it's almost like they they make their choices on a, like a malicious intent, which yeah. dogs don't really do. Well, this kind of goes hand in hand with uh, 
you know, I think the debate that a lot of people say, which is like, you know, we, you know, there's no bad dogs because, Mm -hmm. you know, like that would imply that they should know what's good and what's bad in the human eye and they choose not to do those things (laughs) and stuff like that. But it is a, it's a catch 22 because somebody made a comment on our YouTube page. I think it was just yesterday. I kind of got like a quick little back and forth with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, here, I'll read it real quick. Okay. I thought it was kind of interesting. Where is it? Yeah, I think this is it. Okay. So so it was a clip. It was the, the who do you need to become clip, right? Oh, perfect. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So so they sat here, let's play the clip real quick. Who do you need to become a lot of people message us and they say, David the dog trainer, what do I need to do in order to help my dog stop attacking other dogs? What do I need to do to help my dog not be anxious when I come over the house? Yeah. To which I say, Who do you need to become to have a dog that's not attacking people that come over? That's not fighting the other dogs in your house. That's not jumping all over Aunt Susie every time she comes over. Let's reframe everything we look at from that lens of not what we do, who do we become. You could try to do all of the individual things you need to do. Well, I told him no and corrected him here. I asked for a sit command in this place or whatever it may be. But if you at your core do not become somebody who just can view behavior as appropriate or inappropriate and feels like the kind of person that would establish a rule, a boundary, and would be the person that will enforce their rules and boundaries, you're never going to get anywhere still. So so that sums up, I think, the respect thing perfectly, which is like that is how you achieve respect with your dog, Mm -hmm. right? So, but anyways, the, the person left the comment that said, they said, amen, bad dogs come from bad owners. Hmm. So, so they're saying the dog's bad just because the they said they're didn't. basically they said in order for a dog to be bad, it, yeah. it a bad owner put the dog in a put position the, to, to be, be bad, bad. Okay. right? No. Which is a very interesting back and forth. So I'll read the yeah. back and forth here, right? So I said that I don't agree with. There are some dogs that are wired wrong and have very very bad traits out of the box. There are dogs that seriously hurt and kill people and dogs. No matter what way we spin it, I can't rightfully say that's a good dog with a bad owner. Mm. So they replied, as a dog trainer, I disagree. Thank you for saying it. (laughs) Dogs that are like that are like that because either A, they have grown to be like that because of their experiences and learned that that behavior keeps them safe. Or B, that behavior was never once corrected or dealt with by the owners. And therefore, the dog does not see that behavior as bad. All they see is, all they see is you randomly spazzing on them for stuff that they are normally allowed to do. I've personally dealt with dogs from dog fighting rings that other professionals said should just be put down because they have developed bloodlust. And one of those dogs is now a livestock guardian. I'm not saying you can't go out and find a bad dog, but I'm saying if that dog is under your care and stays a bad dog, it's because you did nothing about it. I completely disagree with that. Mm. I mean, there's just there. I mean, this this went on for for like there's like a long comment. Basically, in a nutshell, what she's saying is that dogs that become bad are bad because either they have grown to be that way through experiences meaning they've had a bad past or two you as an owner have done nothing about it to address the problem Mm, mm. 
mm-hmm. right? Here's here's my I was issue. Say, let me right? hear it. You can put ninety five percent of dogs through. You could put ninety five percent of dogs through the scenario of either having had a bad upbringing mm-hmm. in a in bad experiences, right? That some of these other dogs have had, or two that owners have never corrected for unwanted behavior ever in their life, and. 95% of dogs out there are not going to have the genetic makeup that's going to cause them when missing those types of things to want to kill or seriously harm another person or another dog, right? Mm. So I understand technically speaking, right, with the right training and with the right upbringing with those 5% of dogs that would have that propensity to do that, maybe you could manage them well enough where mm. they're safer, yeah. Right. And they're not ultimately going to do those things. But if they have that genetic makeup from the start to make them predisposed to be that way without the exact correct recipe of upbringing and training, mm-hmm. I view that as a dog first problem. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do all dogs start off as perfect and then with the wrong training or upbringing become either aggressive or dangerous or do all dogs start at different genetic makeups and then with the right training or the right upbringing can either become, you know, seriously aggressive or seriously safe, right? Yeah. And I feel like the genetic makeup always comes first in that equation, meaning then we could put it on the dog. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it actually? I feel like I, that, that's no, a no, difficult no. thing <laughs> to kind of outline. No, it, it makes a, a lot of sense. I mean... <clears throat> It's just like the genetic makeup of humans. It's like, yeah, you know, people that have, you know, spoon fed like, you know, perfect lives, but they still had like a couple of, I'd say screws loose, but like, you know, there's just genetic things that happen that make you kind of the person you are, regardless of where you grew up. Yeah, and and same thing with dogs. I mean, there's millions and millions of dogs. Not and every dog is not the exact same. Mm-hmm. You know, some some dogs just have genetic things traits that have been bred into them that are going to be there regardless of what you do yeah 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 and and again like i i think there probably is things you could do with those dogs to make them more sound but like my problem is just if something if if a dog has such a sensitive delicate genetic makeup Mm -hmm. that if you don't do things perfect with them they will want to kill a person or a dog uh, how I just don't understand how you could say that that's a good dog that a bad owner turned into a bad dog. Yeah, you can't. You know what I mean? You can't. Because it's putting too much responsibility on the human in my eyes where it's like if your dog is that dog and then they become really aggressive or really dangerous, like the, the, the way this person is talking is they would always say you were a bad owner and that's why your dog is that way. I just feel like that's just like kind of a fucked up thing to say when like nothing that they did or didn't do was inherently bad. It's just, they missed stuff, right? They missed stuff to prevent the dog from becoming who they already were, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, it's like this idea of like, do you turn the dog into an aggressive dog or do you prevent the dog? I think that's a better way of looking at it. Like is what you do after the dog is born, turning the dog into an aggressive dog 
or preventing the dog from becoming an aggressive dog. And I think mm. there's dogs out there that you can only prevent them from becoming who they are. Yeah. Right? And exactly. if I'm needing to prevent a dog from becoming a seriously aggressive and dangerous dog, that means in my eyes, that dog was probably already bad to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So you really can't just blanket statement saying mm -hmm. there are no bad dogs because mm -hmm. there's some bad dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Just so it's, it it's an interesting spin on it because I do understand what she's saying. Right. And mm -hmm. like, it, it, like if you really like hashed it out, it's like, okay, cool. Like, yes. Like if you didn't do the right things, ultimately you are the reason why this dog became this way. But it's like, no, it's like, you, I think the preventing or turning into is really the problem. Like if you were telling mm -hmm. me like, if I just don't do this thing, my dog will never become that. And I could just not turn them into that. I think it would be a little different of a story, but I oh yeah, it's confusing. It It is, but I think, I think you explained it good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that really debate that, like no bad oh, dogs, yeah. like whatever, you know, like Tom Davis is no bad dogs thing and yeah. stuff like that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a nice, yeah. it's a nice attempt to, 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 to kind of you know it's 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 nice to put hope in people's eyes of like you could you know with many dogs out there like you are the variable of if your dog is going to become good or not you know mm -hmm. um but we can also still debate that bad dog side of things yeah i still think that there are some dogs out there that are just probably bad dogs <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i mean <clears throat> and i think you could even look at it as like they're still bad dogs but they're manageable yeah like manageable bad dogs yeah like it's good for you, but like mm -hmm. like those dogs that you no matter what like you can't bring them into public. Like yeah, yeah. they'll just it's just, it's just nothing you can do. So you have to manage it. Yeah, you know, like maybe still a bad dog, but it's it's still a manageable bad dog that you can benefit life with, but just in a different way than mm -hmm. you know if you had waffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one last like kind of perspective on it is there's a lot of dogs out there I've met that like let's just take resource guarding as an example, mm -hmm. at like 16 weeks old, for no reason, not because the owner did anything, not because they were fucking with the dog while they were eating or anything, mm -hmm. but like an owner will just feed the dog, right? Put the bowl down, leave the dog alone, right? Yep. And then one day at 16 weeks old, right? They'll walk past the dog while the dog's eating and the mm -hmm. dog will light the fuck up on them. Yeah. And in a, not a like puppy, like I'm defending my food kind of thing, yeah. like, or I'm, I'm, you know, you fucking around kind of thing. Yeah. Like in an actually, like I want to hurt you, get the fuck away from my food kind of mentality, like at mm -hmm. 16 weeks old. Right. Yeah. So, so nothing was done to create that behavior, but Maybe you have the ability to prevent that behavior from escalating by correcting it then and there in that moment, mm. right? Yeah. But that is a bad trait that that dog had out of the box that made it for no reason rehearse that behavior and need correcting in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the way that I look at it. I don't want to rant on it too much longer, obviously. But, no, I like but that. But that's, I think that was a, that's a good, good end segue as far as what I mean when I say it starts with the dog. It yeah. starts with the genetic makeup of the dog and what the dog is predisposed to doing in the first place. Yeah. Right? What, what was the little phrase that you said? Uh, either prevent it or. Yeah, you could either, like, are you creating it yeah. or are you preventing yeah. it? I like right? that. I there like are that some dogs that can become very dangerous that didn't have that genetic makeup to begin with, right? They just, they just, you know, like, they, they did just have a bunch of bad things happen to them that 
forced them into acting aggressively. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And those ones, I think, generally speaking, rehabbing them is pretty easy because they don't want to do it. It's learned behavior. It's not a genetic behavior, you know? Um, but the ones that just have it in them from the start are the ones I'm talking about, the ones where it, it you're preventing it, you're not creating it, Yeah, right? Yeah, I just like that saying. I, I feel like that, that really hits home on that topic, yeah, yeah. so. Cool. So, I think that's about all we got for today. Sure is. Look at that. 56 minutes in. I like it. Hell yeah. What do you think, Josh? Any last, do uh, you want to give somebody some Christmas cheer to end the pod, Don? <laughs> the Christmas cheer? Um, well, this one, this one's going to come after Christmas, though. Give them some post. Give, give them that, that in between Christmas and New Year cheer. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. End, end the year strong. <clears throat> you know, it's not over. We got five days left. Get it. <laughs> I got I got two pounds to lose. I, I just want to get to like two nineteen. Two nineteen. Yeah. This this last like five pounds been like it's been so terrible to get rid of. I don't know why. Don't be eating those Christmas cookies. Yeah, I'm not. I'm be like, Mom, no Christmas cookies for me. So I just want to hit that two pounds. I want to get to two nineteen and I will be uh looking forward to twenty twenty four. Self reflect. Mm. I think especially like the in-between Christmas and New Year's when you do have, is it five days between Christmas and New Year's? Yeah. 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 So five days between Christmas and New Year's, right? If you're not happy with where you're currently at with anything, anything, I don't care what it is, Mm. right? Do some really hard self-reflecting on figuring out where the problems are. Get out a piece of paper, write out your biggest struggles you're having and brainstorm three potential solutions for each one of them and then come up with an action plan for all of them. I like that. And do that. And if you can do that while staying positive, that New Year's coming, Mm -hmm. you could do this, right? You'll make sure you're in a better spot two weeks from now than you are right now. True. I like that. So that's all I got. Do some self-reflecting on your issues. Paige, you got anything for people? Yeah, Paige, what should people know for the New Year? Yeah. Just keep trucking. I like it. Wise words. Well, that's what we got for you guys. All right. <laughs> Catch you on the next one. See ya. Catch you all in the new year. You're not going to hear from us until the new year. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. See ya. <laughs>